Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with Privacy Mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course. Present my thoughts the way I want. Right again! Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh, there it is! Drawing board or... Miro! Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's won. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro Brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Ross Salzberg, and now I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. My guest... The NFL's Director of Player Engagement, former New York Giant footballer Keith Elias. So like I said, listen up because I'm sure you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, like I said, he is the NFL's Director of Player Engagement, a former New York Giant a Jersey boy. He is Mr. Keith Elias. Keith, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for being here. I'm doing great, Russ. Thanks for having me. So so why don't you tell people before we start talking, what exactly is, well, I, I've given everybody your uh, job title. Describe it, what, what you do in essence. Okay, so I work within the player engagement department in the NFL that's under the football operations uh, unit. So what we really do is we serve, we equip, and we empower our players not just to be the best they can on the field, but really to help them pursue the passion of their heart outside of the game. So we help the rookies transition in. We help um, veterans put together a vision for their future. We do professional development. Uh, We work with the directors of player engagement at each club, who I believe are the unsung heroes of the league. And then uh, we help guys when they transition and then throughout their lives. Now, I have, because I'm involved with the Giants, you know, doing their pregame shows and, 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 you know, on their Big Blue Kickoff, which is a call-in show on Giants.com. So, obviously, I'm very close to the Giants situation, and I've seen them. I, I see how they work, in particular with the young guys coming in. But to me, it's easier, correct me if I'm wrong, it's easier to get the attention of the young guys than it is the guys who have been in the league uh, two, three, four years with them, um, as they say, Scott O, with like um, <laughs> some good money in their pockets or, you know, their bank accounts. And, you know, they think they have the answers and they don't know how fast that can disappear. Well, you know, I think it depends on the individual. And I think uh, 
one of the challenges of, of getting a hold of the rookies is they are full on into the game. They're really football, football, football. And then as a guy gets older and he starts to see that, hey, maybe maybe the end is closer than the beginning, then that's a great time to have those conversations about how are you leveraging the, the, the platform of the not for long right of the NFL to make sure that you're putting the pieces together to ensure a smooth transition and uh, and really to help you find that that passion that sustains you for the rest of your life. Now, you know, you are the director of player engagement, but you're, if you will, a different breed. When I say a different breed, you're Princeton, okay? You know, you got an Ivy League education. You're, you're a bright guy. Mm-hmm. You went, you were a student first and a football player second. And that's what I that's what I told them to let me in, <laughs> but I think the the coaches and players there would tell you I, I might have been more football first, but but, but, yeah. but you know what I mean. And, and correct, you you do have a master's, so yeah. you know education was important to you. I think a lot of guys, and I'm not disparaging anybody, they go in, and it's not just football; it's it's other sports and college basketball. They go in. We know about one and duns in in that sport, mm-hmm. but but you, you go in. With your goal to be a football player, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's all fine and dandy, but I think a lot of the people, regardless how much money they make, they don't believe it's ever going to end, and I, I believe well, that's a problem. I think not that they don't believe it's ever going to end; they don't ever want it to end. And so, when you have that mentality, you don't prepare for the end because sometimes you could feel like preparing for the end is like bad luck. Right. It's like speaking something, speaking death out loud. But I will say that our players are savvier than ever before. They understand and they've seen examples from from guys like Magic Johnson to, to, to James that you can use what you have and what you make to create lasting change for your family and your community. So I think guys come in more with a plan than they ever have before. Um, and, and I think that they're more educated than ever before about the resources and the programs and the benefits that are available to them. And like, uh, I was just saying, like I alluded to before, each club has a director of player engagement on site to really help these guys, uh, with their on and off the field pursuits. So do you work with players who have left the game or, or, you know, former NFLers who, Mm -hmm. who might be not might be who are having hard times who who are having tr- trouble with making the adjustment of course yeah i think you know i see the, the transition from the nfl frankly it's like going from oz back to kansas right if you you know what i mean i mean when you're in oz it's it's colorful it's bright you've got a diverse group of folks around you that are that are focused on one mission right and then you leave and you're alone you're isolated right your your in, your income stream has been cut off the relationships that you made in the locker room, they're not the same anymore. You know, and the relationships you made off the field. Well, hey, that, that, that lady that you've been hanging out with for the last three to five years, she might not actually like you, right? So there's a lot of things that players go through in transition. And so I think um, we're all going to struggle to a certain degree. Uh, even those who, who win the Super Bowl in their last game and walk into the Hall of Fame, then that first season there's, there's that, that beast that wants to play. And we, and that's why it's called transition. Oh, and by the way, people deal with transition every single day, whether they go through a divorce or lose a job or get the, the bad doctor's report. So it's something universal. The NFL, what it does is it takes something universal and it just inflames it to a degree. So the highs are so high. 
So then what? The fall can be, oh, what a fall. And then what do I do now? Right? And so, yeah, there are times that guys struggle. Well, you know, for example, yourself, you know, I'll use you an example. Mm-hmm. Again, you're a, you're a difficult example because you are an Ivy No, Laker. I struggle. Okay, so, so, yeah. so my question to you is, how did you struggle and did you have a support system to help you right. with that struggle? So first thing for me personally is that I didn't have the career that I wanted. Okay, so so not not and then what I found out later is that, you know, nine out of ten of us didn't have the career we wanted. But for me, I felt because of injuries, I never got to show the world what I could really do. So even now I get excited when I, I, I see it in your you face. Know, because it was, you're pissed off. I'm pissed, right? So that's right. So um because again, I you know, the I mean, I played five years and I am so thankful, you know, six years, five credited seasons over six years. And, but I'm so thankful for what I did get to do. And that's what helped me start to turn around is that the injuries I sustained, they happen in the NFL. What if they had happened in college? What if I never got a shot to be part of that, part of the big blue, part of the Colts? And so, um, but I think for a lot of us, we leave the game with unfinished business and that right there you have to deal with. And then you couple that with, I didn't meet my financial goals. Or now what am, I, what am I going to do? Now I have to reinvent myself. I have to find a passion. I have to get off the couch. And um, for me, a lot of it had to do with identity. My whole life, I was a football player. And then suddenly I wasn't. And it wasn't like being an actor that has a flop and you can come back 20 years later and reinvent right. yourself. It's over. It is over. And so it, leaves me, it left me saying, you know, who am I? What is my purpose? You know, where am I going to get my next paycheck? What's next? And so I did have a great support system. And, and that was one of the, the major benefits of going to Princeton was I had uh, not just my family, which they're amazing, but I also had a network of guys. And I was able to call um, a bunch of different guys. One, this one guy in particular, Frank Vono, who said, come down to my house. Let's sit down. Let's, ha- let's talk. Let's map out a plan. And that was um, awesome. And they ended up connecting me with some other guys um, and I ended up getting a first job out of that. You know, some guys, Anthony D. Tommaso and, and Rusty Warren, and those guys were great. And that helped me. That first, first job got me off the couch and into life. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, did you say Frank Vuno? I did. The, not, the, not Frank involved with... Uh... 16W? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I know yeah. Frank. Frank's a great guy. He's the godfather. With, with, right. with Steve Rosner. Yeah. His partner's with Steve Rosner. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I didn't know. I, I said that name yeah. sounded and then, familiar. And then Rusty Warren is uh, was Dr. Russell Warren's son. Okay, sure. Yeah, so it was all kind of this network of folks that I knew, but, but we all have that network of folks, and I tapped into that network, and that helped me. Like I said, that first, first job was great. Now, I had money coming in, so okay, I didn't have to... But but you know what's crazy, Russ, is even when I started making money and I was making great money with those guys, I wanted, if I bought a car, I wanted the world to think that that car came from NFL money, as if the NFL money somehow had more glamour or more. See, that's it. I wanted to be known as that NFL player, right? Because you work so hard for that. Um, but And again, but then it's over. So. I, I, I've heard Charles Barkley say... You know, listen, Charles is a character, but 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 a, a real character. But I've heard him say several times, and you know, when he says it, you know, a, coming from him, you can your ears perk up and listen. He says, "I try to tell these guys, you don't need fifteen cars, right, and you right. don't need X amount of houses." Right. But he's talking from experience because right. he made those mistakes. That's right. Yeah. Well, again, you know. Um, if you if you take a 22-year-old, 25-year-old, 20, and when you look at, if you 
look at the average average twenty two or twenty five year old, the only way they're making that the money that NFL athletes and all and all professional athletes make is is if they come from money, right? If if they've grandfather, father, and grandmother, whatever it is, made money, and then so they come up, they they're raising a culture of responsible responsibility with money and trust fund people. Yeah, or but but then we have you know. You've been 22. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I handed you all this money, would you be responsible? And I say sometimes, as we have to keep in mind, it's like um, giving giving these guys the keys to the Ferrari on the autobahn, and then saying, "Oh, by the way, just drive 55." You're, it, there's a lot of uh, self control that we're asking them to do. You don't right. have to go to the auto bottom. You can go That's to the, right. the, the Lincoln Tunnel at 5 o'clock right, and say, right. go, go try and drive through that yeah. mess. But, but my point is that we, so what we have to do is create vision for our players to say, hey, look beyond the next two years. Like, look five, ten years. Where do you want to be? Set up how you want to live. Set up a budget. How do you want to live? And we, we, we do the excellent job of, of educating our rookies and educating our players on how to create generational wealth. And it, it's different. We didn't do that when I was born. How do you tell them to create generation? How do you teach them to do that? Well, uh, first of all, we have a partner, a partner with MMI, uh, Money, Money Matters International. They're a 501c3. And so each, each club, uh, as part of the rookie curriculum, they, they have financial education about you know, credit, about budgeting, about taxes, right? And then, but if you can set up a budget then you and save to fuel that budget then that should be your goal hey i may in my nfl career i may i may need to put away 4 million dollars so that i can live off of that so that that's my foundation you know so we teach guys how to let money work for them and and be responsible you, you see you just hit something you just you just threw out a number let, let me take 4 million and, and, and put it away and that's where, unfortunately, and it's not just the NFL; it's it's all sports. It's you know they some guys, not some guys, a lot of guys don't realize how fortunate they are to be making that kind of money. Mm-hmm. The average Joe Joe Blow, you know how long it takes him to make four million dollars, right? And, and honestly, I just threw that number. No, but but because uh, they that, may some players may not make that in their right, whole career, right? Right. I mean, but but to your point, you know, our average salaries. Right, they're they're not they're not normal. What's the average? Is it well? It depends. It depends on years and all that. So, but the point is that we have to we have to, as a unit, both the NFL and the clubs, make sure that we give our players every tool in their toolbox to be able to manage that, you know, properly. And between finances and relationships, you know, these are two of the biggest things that you have to learn how to navigate to be successful transitioning into the league and then transitioning out. Now, it, it's not just about finance to me. It's about other things as well. It, it, it's about behavior. Mm-hmm. It's about, for lack of a better term, it's realizing you, you can't go through life thinking that for your shit don't stink. Mm-hmm. No, really. I, I mean, and and you know what? Somebody told this to me a long time ago. A, a former manager used to be manager to Blue Jays, w- w- was a manager of Phillies, uh, Jimmy Williams. You know, somebody once asked him, uh, reporters once asked him, when, when do you start teaching some of these guys poise and respect and this and that? And, and Jimmy looked at me and said, it's supposed to start 
and he, you know, he's pointing to the ground mm-hmm. like when they're knee high to a grasshopper. Right. But ever since that, if you're a good athlete, I'm, like I'm sure Keith, looking at you, you were probably terrific as a Pop Warner player. No, but you know what I'm talking right. about. And and those great, those terrific kids, we're watching Little League World Series now. Those terrific kids. They're told from the time they're peewees how great they are, and they grow up thinking how great they are. It's tough not to. Right. Matt spoke to a young man recently when we were, and he's the cream of the crop. And I was talking to him about character and responsibility, and he looked at me and he said, like, I'm the dude. That was his quote, right? I'm so, the dude. Right. But, Sounds like the big Lebowski. Right, he does. <laughs> hey, there's a beverage. I love that movie. So don't get us on movies, but I'll, it'll be gone. I'm we'll talk dude. movies the whole time, okay. right? But, um, but, but yeah, so that is an issue. When we have high school students that have press conferences to announce where they go to college, we are elevating the athlete to a certain degree. So there has to be another voice in there that says, okay, so... Where are you going to find your identity in all this? In in this whole thing that's that's not real, uh, and so but that, that's a real deep and mature conversation to have. But I will say the vast majority of our guys, the vast majority, get that. And you know you don't you're not going. The, the headline isn't going to be ten year NFL pro lives his life perfectly, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> it's it's the the headlines about the player that that makes a mistake, and then we tend to generalize and say, oh look at them. But, oh, by the way, them, they're doing pretty darn good. Yeah, no, in, in fairness, and I've always, listen, I've criticized players, and nobody's ever, you know, accused me of uh, being a Pollyanna and, and just let, letting it all slide. Uh, but I also think, you know, sports, we're talking with you because you're the NFL, so we're talking about the NFL, but I think sports in general, it's a microcosm of society and, and I find today, maybe it's because of social media. Mm-hmm. Not maybe, it is because of social media. Social media has a lot to do with oh, it. It's changed the world. That, that the athletes or, or sports people are supposed, they want the leagues to be the judge and jury mm-hmm. as opposed to the justice system. And mm-hmm. the justice system, uh, let's, let's use an example. Uh, and I, I was talking about you with this. Prior to getting here, we talk about Ray Rice. Now, listen, I've raised two daughters. Both are moms now, you, you know, great husbands. If anybody wanted to, you know, raise their hand to my daughters, I'd want to kill them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Having said that, if, you, you know, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, took a real beating on that. Now, I am not condoning, I'm not giving Ray Rice a pass at all. I, I, I want to hear what you have to say on it, but I'm not giving Ray Rice a pass. All I'm saying is, Ray Rice goes into the commissioner's office. He doesn't see any, he hadn't seen any video. He goes into the commissioner's office and the commissioner says, uh, uh, Ray goes in, you know, teary-eyed. He comes in with his wife, teary-eyed. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I never did this before. The wife pleads for his case. We, you know, he's a good husband. He's a good father. Blah, 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 blah. The commissioner says, okay, I don't want to ruin your life. You get a two-game suspension, this and that. Okay, they walk out the door, two-game suspension. Video comes out. All hell breaks loose. Society, the justice system in society was easier than the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Court of public opinion kills everybody. And see, to me, an athlete is no better than Joe Blow on the street. But the court of public opinion says, no, you got to be better than everybody. Well, I don't. And uh, 
and there's if yeah, you there's disagree, a, tell no, me. I don't disagree with you. I think, but I think that there it's it's very interesting that um, the reaction of the public, what the outcry was against the commissioner of a sports league, and not like you didn't hear of people, you know, um, marching on Trenton and saying, well, the, how, the justice system, you know, failed us, right? So Ray. He got a pretrial intervention, and so the suspension was probably commiserate to what, at that time, what the legal system did. And so it's an interesting time where we're saying, hey, we're looking to a sports league. I I said this at the time. The commissioner, he could have. I imagine that he could have said, hey, we're an entertainment league, and our our suspensions are based upon what the the legal system does. But uh, but he embraced it, and he said we have an opportunity to change the culture. To uh, you know, we created the social responsibility unit and and uh, and in the NFL, and so he said Let, let's try to take this and and create some positive societal and community change. And I think we tried to do that. How much? Again, we're talking about this player engagement. You know, we're talking about finances and getting people straight with their lives and be able to put you know something aside. But how about? Do you talk to them because, you know, you don't know what goes on in some of these guys' homes and single-family homes and no father at home and what have you. Uh, do you talk to them about acting like a man? I mean, maybe nobody showed you had to do it, so now mm-hmm. the league takes it upon themselves to try and structure them in such a way, lead them in such a way? Well, I think I, I w- we'll talk a little bit more about there, There's a position on each club, and it's called the director of player engagement, right? And so... Um, every club has one. And for the Giants, it's David Tyree and Ashley Lynn. Uh, for the Jets, um, Dave Zott, Montel Sanders. And those guys and, and ladies are in a position to do what you're talking about, right? They're the ones who have these in-depth conversations with players on a daily basis. And sometimes, like in Seattle, they're, the office of the director of player engagement is is strategically located just as the players come in and out. And if you visit, there are players just as many as in, in his office as there are in the locker room. And so these guys are the, the boots on the ground. These guys are the unsung hero of each organization uh, because they're the ones that are there to impact and influence the players. And frankly, I think if you, if you can – our, our players are influencers. You talk about social media. Some of them go to clubs with more followers than the clubs have on social media, right? <laughs> And so um, if you influence an influencer, you change the world. You really do. And all the things we've talked about, they all come down to this, that, that today's player is on an unparalleled platform between social media, his access, his, you know. And so with that, like, it's like the old Spider-Man thing, right? With great power comes great responsibility. So how do we help guys be responsible and use their platform to have the biggest impact they can? Yeah, and that, like with anything else, it com- comes responsibility. And, you know, it's easy enough to say you try and teach responsibility, but sometimes that's hard. Let me go back to something else. I, I think certain guys, not certain guys, a lot of guys come into the league. It's not just pressure to perform, but guys come into the league, you know, and for for a lot of guys it's not just a ticket out for them it's a ticket out for their families right you're and, talking and, about not the pressure to perform but the pressure to provide yeah and now it's okay for one thing to provide for mom and dad but we're talking about 
a posse. We're, we're, we're talking about groups of people. We're talking about the uncle who's across town or, mm-hmm. or you, you know, lives across the other side of the, the, the country. You're in New York. He's in California. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that also, now that to me has, a, has to be a slippery slope for you guys because you want to teach a kid, listen, you got to take care of this, this, and this. Right. But is it your responsibility to take care of everything? Right. When I, you know, that, that's, that's kind of got to be difficult. Yeah. And I, but I think those are the conversations you that, have to have. that happen. Right. You have to, and I think we all, and, and that have gone through that, there are times where you have to help strengthen a guy to be able to say no. Or, and we, we give strategies on how to do that. And I say, like, we also work with the directors of player engagement at each club to be able to have those conversations. But absolutely, that's a conversation that has to happen. Yeah. I, I remember hearing a story. Um, I, I believe it, I'm not, it was Dominique Wilkins, you mm-hmm. know, just in basketball. The basketball player, superstar, right? mm-hmm. Dominique Wilkins. And Dominique, um, uh, he, he got married and his wife, the woman he married was a really smart cookie. Okay. And she saw what was going on. She saw the numbers, you know, and he was already, I think, getting out or at the end of his career. She saw the numbers and said, this, this has to stop. Right. I mean, it, it's not just helping people. It's like you, you're providing them. You're not even helping them. You're enabling. You, 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 you're, right. you're enabling. Right. And so this stopped. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, the checks stopped coming. And, right. you know, she was the bad lady. But so what? You, you know, she was protecting her husband. That's right. It, 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 well, good th- for her. That, yeah, that, that, that becomes a slippery slope. There's something I, I also wanted to talk about. There's tons of stuff. And I might be totally wrong. I am not a doctor. Okay. I believe CTE is a very real existence, uh, you know, head trauma, I, 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 it exists. But I also think there's, and this is just Russ, the naive, call me naive or mm-hmm. lame and whatever, I also think that there's something else involved in that. Um, I believe there are a lot of guys who, and we've been talking about it, when the cheering stops, mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They, they've been hearing the cheering. They've been hearing the glory uh, for 35 years, 40 years, whatever, and they don't know what to do. And if they have the CTE, that's a very serious thing. But if if they have these other things working with them, their sense of value or, or their sense of worth, I think it's a combustible combination that really explodes yeah it's an, it's an inter- interesting that you take on it uh i again like you i am neither a doctor nor a licensed clinician no yeah i yeah. don't want to make that clear folks right so but i understand what you're saying like when it, people get depressed all the time right regular people and um so if if a player leaves and his life is changing things and he's down on the dumps does it necessarily mean that he's depressed because of CTE or just because he's depressed because of what just happened. Right. And so that takes uh, conversations that takes licensed clinicians. And there are resources that we have for guys to also do the different types of brain scans and, and that sort of thing as well. Um, so there's another group that uh, that we work with called the trust and uh, they sit in the, the union and they're funded by the NFL. It's a joint thing and they have a, a brain and body benefit. Uh, that if, for guys that have played two years or more, that they can they can get that soup to nuts checked out. You know, uh, it's an awesome, you know, resource that 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 guys have 
in in that arena and then so then you can you can surround a guy with the professionals to be able to as best they can say all right you don't this isn't a physical issue this is a you know this is this is a a clinical issue you know you, you know what i mean so and that's that's uh a case by case basis yeah i i just think and again i'm not a doctor i'm not I'm not a cl- clinician but you know listen famous cases are mike webster famous cases are junior sale I never examined them. I don't know, but I do believe when when the the cheering stopped, they don't know. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And and then if you're having these other problems, it just compounds the problem. Yeah, you, you know that self worth. Listen, you're Keith Elias. You're not just a football player, but a lot of guys. They go through life. I'm a football player. I'm a baseball player. What else are you? And you know that that's what they've been defined by for their their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Pee wee. That's a tough tough pill. It is. And I, again, I can't. I don't know those specific cases. That I mean, I know of them, but I don't know anything about right. them to comment on them. But I think uh, you know concussions were a part of our game, and that's what's so exciting about um, the, the one of the things that I love about our NFL game is the innovation and how there's no rule that's sacred. Right, like we can back up the extra point to make the game better. We can, and guess what? We're we're taking the head out of the game. Um, well, okay, right? you, you opened up the garage door for no, me, and, right? And we'll there. go through that. But I, but I mean, because before that, and we'll go there because I'll talk to you about it. Because um, I hear it all the time. I sit down the hall from uh, uh, you know uh, Riveron, so um, I I got all the good stuff. But no, um, I will say that you know when I played, I had some concussions, and you know I had I had when I was leaving. You know, did you have concussions in college as well as the NFL? No, I don't know. I don't know as much. I mean, you know, we just called them. I got dinged. Dingers. We didn't. Ha- we didn't have that that ability. I just know that I struggled for a bit, and one day there was a. I met a guy who prayed for me, and I was I was good after that. So I don't. You know, that's just my own story. So, but um, but I do know that that taking the head out of the game is 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 vital. You know. All right, taking the head out of the game, and I get that. Right. I, I understand. But I watched something in in the Giants game mm-hmm. last week. I'm still waiting to see uh, Herzlick got called for something. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, okay. You you <laughs> saw that, or you didn't see that, right? It, right. And, and no, my question is, it's very very difficult. That to me is very hard. I, I believe the the helmet, and you got to protect the guys, especially with what we've learned about C- CTE. Now, I'm, I'm trying to remember the Herzlick. Now, it, it, I think maybe the running back ducked his head too. And they, yeah. They had, it just, right. So it, here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I love for the, we, we want to panic all of us like so quickly. Right. But the truth is that many of the penalties that have been called so far in the preseason would have always been penalties. They would have always been, they would have been, um, you know, defenseless receiver or, um, unnecessary roughness, like the, these are penalties that have always existed. Now, every time there is a penalty, we go, "Oh, it's the new penalty." It's the and but the second thing is in preseason, we're practicing, right? And so, and there's a lot of guys that are that are playing that may not make the clubs, and so the football is obviously sloppier than when we get to the real deal. So, there's going to be more of those types of penalties. If if there was an emphasis on holding. I promise you we could call 10 more holding penalties in every game than we do during the regular season. So there's an emphasis right now on calling this as well. And so that will uh, inflate the numbers. But I think 
we're going in a great direction and a necessary direction because we want to we want to save the game, right? Believe me, I am all for that. I just, you know, it, it's not just. I think it's very hard. Like if you're, if I'm jumping into you, mm-hmm. and it, you know, how am I supposed to stop if if I'm in the middle of the air and then you duck, right? And, and boink, we we bang heads. Right. I get called for the penalty. I, I don't. I don't know if it's reviewable or what the deal. That's a, that's a, just a hard one to to swallow. I think. I think there'll always be growing pains with new yeah. with new rules. There'll be growing pains, but I think we're talking about the single best athletes in the world. And I and I and I say that because I think our the athletes in the NFL are they're the greatest in the world. They they can and and so they'll adapt. How has the game changed when when you look at yourself? Oh, I wish I played now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, for what uh, money aside? Okay, for, yeah, money okay, aside. Money, right. money aside. Well, three things. One, no two a days. <laughs> okay, because camp took years off my right, life. Right, and even even Dan Reeves was great. I mean, we had he was he really. And then I went to the Colts. We had Jim Mora, and uh, and I heard he was mellow then. But but uh, that was those were tough camps. Right. right? Um, the second thing is, I love the wide open game. When I played, it was nine-man fronts. It was the bear defense. It was three, four yards in a cloud of dust. It was, you know, we were zone blocking, banging things up in there. I love this wide-open game. I love the fact that, you know, your backs have two or three yards to play with. That would have really been great for my style, getting out of that backfield, getting a pass, you know, all that kind of great stuff. So I love the way the game has evolved. Love it. Now, now you, you played with Lawrence Taylor. Uh, well, just he, well, he was ended, at the end. He ended just yeah, just as oh, I got okay. But right. you, you were there, and, and I, listen, I remember a few years back, Lawrence. I, I think it was uh, on Inside the NFL or something, and, and and I think it was Collinsworth asked him about what do you think of the defenses, you know, defense play today, and uh, LT goes. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Defense? <laughs> well, what do you call it? No, defense is when you hit a guy and snot bubbles come out of his nose. <laughs> He's a different type of guy. Different. That's right. Speaking of LT, can you imagine if Lawrence Taylor played during social media? I mean, think about it. I, I, listen. He'd have broke it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, listen, Lawrence... I, I, I was Lawrence was great for me. He was great for my career because we did interviews. One thing about Lawrence, and that's why people, especially media people, really like Lawrence because Lawrence is real. Lawrence, whether you or I or, or moms or dads approve of it, Lawrence said, "I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not. I'm not a role model, mm-hmm. and and I'm not pretending to be a role model. And when the camera came into the locker room, Lawrence also all of a sudden didn't you know put on a phony face, mm-hmm. and that's why people like Lawrence. Where some guys, their their existence is a facade. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would say a facade, but it's a choice, right? So you can you can say I'm not a role model, but that 10 year old doesn't go, okay, got it. He's not the role model and he is. And so whether you want to be a role model or not, by default, you are. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, right? I'm so, not calling a role model a facade. Uh, I know you, but there's some guys you're saying that they're hiding, they're hiding their, their off the field yeah, stuff. Yeah. They're trying to present like squeaky clean, but it, they've yeah, got, that's what I'm talking right. about. So, I mean, I mean, we're all hypocrites at the end of the day, but, uh, we hope, but, but I think that, it is if you're making a choice to be a role model, 
Well, I mean, I think, like I said, I think you are regardless. But I think that if you are making a step in that, in that, even if it, you don't fully believe in it, uh, I think that that becomes transformative. What I mean is, there are times when I've volunteered for things that I did it as a favor. Right. All right, this guy wants me to volunteer. I'm going to go to this little kid thing, but I don't, or I'm going to go to this thing that cause, or I'm not even sure what this cause is, but I would go and then I would hear about it. Right. And then I would listen. And then my heart became attached. And I think I became transformed by some of those things that I went to just because I did for a favor. And so I think when you, when you embrace this idea of being a role model, and then you take a step into those things, they're very transformative. Yeah, yeah I, listen, I've seen it firsthand with athletes because I've been involved with the Muscular Dystrophy Association for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we hold a what we call a muscle team gala. We've been doing that I, I, for the best. I think yep. you've been, I've been there. I've been there a ton of them. But, right. And I've been doing them for 22, I think it's right. 23, 22 years now. Right. And I remember... Guys like yourself and athletes, each athlete sitting at a table, Giants and Jets. Mm-hmm. And, and when it came time to send kids to camp, more more than uh, one athlete would raise their hand and send a, a, a cabin of kids to mm-hmm. camp. You know, so I've seen the the guys get involved. So, you know, you only hear or you hear the bad stories right. far more than you hear the good stories. And, you know, it, it almost sounds stupid. And that's not just... Again, in the, that's that's society in general. The good stories get on the fourth and fifth page. Right. The horse shit well, stories, the bad stuff <laughs> gets right. on the front page. That's, that's right. They're not going to put it on the bottom of the TV unless it's going to grab your attention. L- let me ask you this. Before you hit the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, and we're talking about situations, um, college, big time college, and I don't have to run down all, all the schools, and I'm 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 not just going to talk about the NFL. I'll, I'll talk about basketball. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys come in, and you know, as I said before, where does it start? The teaching. Some of these, to me, college coaches aren't doing the right thing. I mean, some of these kids get away with, for lack of a better term, blue murder. I mean, they're not disciplined, mm-hmm. and then. They come to the NFL or they come to the NBA or they come to Major League Baseball, and now it's up to you to teach them, whereas what the hell was being right. done you, you know, well, in their formative years? I think there are a bunch of uh, college coaches that are doing the right thing. Now. There's, yeah, there's guys I, yeah I, I should generalize. Things, right? Yes, okay. But then, then it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, to, again, to mold that young life. And, and not just for the community, but the benefit of, of his own heart. And again, this playing in the NFL is 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 amazing. It is Oz, right? You just went to Oz, but not just because of oh money and notoriety and all of this stuff, and not just because of the power that you can bring to the community, but because there's so so many amazing people around our game that you have the opportunity to transform yourself. You have the opportunity to say, I don't care where I came from. Because now I'm living in Chicago or Kansas City or I may be away from every other influence. I get to reinvent myself. I get a clean slate. You know, I get to start over. That's powerful. I, uh, that's a great line. I mean, I, w- when you said it before, it, you're at Oz, and now you when when it's over, you're saying go back live in Kansas. Right, go back no, to no, the, no. Yeah. That's a, that's that's interesting. Very interesting. Listen. You're a former giant, so you still bleed 
Big Blue. That's right. What do you think of uh, what we can, can love we, it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought you know there was people, and you know I take the bus home and. and Folks, and I like to keep like certain areas of my life completely open. So when people they want to get in touch with me, they can always get in touch with me via Facebook or a Facebook Messenger, that kind of thing. But I'm on the I'll be on the bus on the way home, and people would be like, "We got to draft one of those quarterbacks, right? We got to draft." I said, "Hey, man, that Saquon Barkley, he can play. And oh, by the way, we have a pretty damn good quarterback. And we in New York, we're always like the grass is always greener. I mean, Eli's a two time Super Bowl MVP." He can play. Right? You know what? I still walk into where I get my papers and whatever every right. morning. And is he like? You know what? The day after the, this past Saturday, mm-hmm. the, I, because Friday night Giants, uh, he looked very good uh, mm-hmm. against um, who, who they just play the Lions. Uh, so line, da- right. Davis yeah. Webb looked very good. Davis so, did too, right? So, so he got somebody says, so, so what? They're going to get rid of Eli now. I was just, what do you mean they're going to get rid of <laughs> right. it? It's it's crazy. But well, I, I've known Eli for years. I knew him even at Ole Miss because I played with his brother at the Colts. So Peyton, um, so I've known you know Peyton since he was a rookie, and and Eli, great family, great man, and in he's and he's still he's a great player. Yeah, he is. So I don't know what, and now you can give him another weapon, right? So and and but I think the Giants. Crushed the draft. I think that Will Hernandez. I mean, he. He's, I a, love, he's a beast. Love him. I just he, what I love offensive linemen who play angry because it's usually a position where they you know these guys are demeanors are different and he just he just likes he plays angry and I love that. D- Dave Gettleman uh, m- made the comment. I th- thought it was great. He he the way he described Will Hernandez and and B J Hill on the defensive side. He said if you're going to play in the middle of the line. You you gotta. I need people to be angry, to be pissed off. Right. You, you know, uh, your general manager George Young. Let him rest in peace. George Young used to say to me all the time. He says, Russ, football players, especially the linemen, it's like a Spartan like existence. It's like gladiators in right. the arena. You can't just expect them to turn it on and turn it off, but to play those positions. But this this kid, Hernandez, to me, from what I've seen, listen, everybody should be excited about uh, Barkley and also Lorenzo Carter, but this Will Hernandez looks like the real deal. He also has a maturity about him, and he comes from nothing. You're talking right. about a guy whose family was living in a shack, basically. Well, and he, he's an interesting dude. Look, if, if the Giants are the Avengers, he's the Hulk, right? We want him to play always angry. <laughs> so, absolutely. But, but but I heard, uh, you know, Pat Shermer say just the other day, we're going to go as far as the offensive line blocks for us. Right. And, right. and I, I think, listen, being a running back, how long do you think th- that continuity for an offensive line, because you, you know, they're all new guys up there. Right. Uh, they're all new, uh, with with the exception. Well, Br- Brett Jones looks. It looks like he's not going to be the starting yeah. center. <laughs> but I think it's true. The longer you play together, the better. Right. But I don't think there's, you know, there's only you can only use young for so long before it just it's you know it doesn't work. And I think what's really really important is is communication. And if you're communicating up front. and the back understands the offensive line communication, that's the biggest thing. Um, and I'll tell you one of the things that is is people don't know about running backs because you only see what they do physically. But Marshall Falk was one of the smartest players I've ever played with. And if you understand what the line's doing, boy, that's half the battle. Because 
once that ball snapped, if you understand and communicate what's going on, you're going to be able to help them get their blocks. Nobody was better at this than Curtis Martin. He had a way of manipulating so that defenses would go into places that enabled the offensive line to block, and then he was able to get yards where there were none because of his ability to do that. So I know he's in the Hall of Fame, and I know he's the fourth leading rusher of all time, but I still say he's underrated. (laughs) Well, well, I'm going to be shocked if, you know, Saquon Barkley is not a star in this league. He just, I've never seen a guy in any sport, in any sport, and to me this is saying a lot, because guys like LeBron James came Mm -hmm. right out of high school, and he was polished. But this kid had the opportunity to go to college. Uh, I've never seen a guy so polished on and off the field. I mean, when you talk about guys, what you're trying to do with player engagement, mm-hmm. he is the poster boy. He I, Listen, he was a star in college, so he, he was at a big-time school, Penn State, so he knows how to act, but he really does know how to act. Yeah, and, and uh, the, it's will he be a star? Time tells, and, and really it's about health, right? I well, mean, that's always that's, the case. That's that. the case, right. So he has all the tools. Right, you just we've got to stay healthy and communicate, stay humble, and that's key. Take coaching, you know, grab them, grab a mentor, you know, somebody who's been it, been and done what you want to do. Find that guy. So yeah, if you're listening, Saquon, find the guy whose career you want. Call him up. Yeah, I, I know the Giants had Giants had me in in, in a couple of people uh, when it was rookie camp. Mm-hmm. You know, to do. Um, mock interviews to teach them, you know, a few things, how to handle questions and, and going back and forth. And some of them did very well. And then you got to Saquon and, you know, he, he was used to it. And it was like talking to a guy who was a 10 year veteran. Right. He just, he just knew what the drill, but uh, as you say, when you talk to any coach, when I begin any question at the beginning of a season, I, I always phrase it this way. Other than injuries, what's your biggest concern? Because right. injuries is of course. that's every coach's concern. Killer. Yeah, it, it is the killer. Well, um, Keith Elias, director of NFL player engagement, it has been a pleasure, my friend. And you know what? I this is a very interesting topic, and I think it's going to be interesting as the season goes along. So I'd like to have you back and uh, talk it. talk more about it. Yeah, thank Perfect. you, my friend. Pre- you appreciate it. joining it. And thanks to uh, all of you people for getting a load of this. Me here with um, Keith Elias. Now I'd like to get a load of you. So let me know uh, your thoughts on today's conversation. You can do it on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg, or on Facebook. You can also get a load of my website. It's real easy, russsalzberg.com. My thanks today to my producer, and he is also the assistant news director here at uh, 77 WABC, Matt Dahl. My thanks to 77 WABC News Director, Craig Schwab. And as always, I want to thank used people out there. Because without used people, I'd have nobody to talk to. So until next week, saying goodbye to used people, it is me, Russ Salzberg, bidding you a bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today, we talk brainstorms with UX designer Brian. Let's go. First question. You thought you'd see everyone's idea in the team brainstorm, but you've got a grand total of one. 
Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, right? Because in Miro, the team can add ideas now or later. And with privacy mode, we can keep them anonymous until they're good to share. Correct. Next, you need the best way to explain your idea, but all you have is a few sticky notes. Drawing board or Miro board? Drawing board, because, you know, in Miro, I could record videos, add text, images, links, and digital sticky notes, of course, present my thoughts the way I want. Right again. Now, you're looking for a past idea you thought was just genius. Only you could find... Oh! There it is. Drawing board or Miro. Our finished and unfinished work lives in one place. And he's one. Join over 60 million people getting ideas noticed in Miro brainstorms. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.